Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Philip Fairbanks. Last name is spelled F-A-I-R-B-A-N-K-S. He's just published an excellent book. Highly recommend it. Title of the book is Smash, 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 The True Story of Kai the Hitchhiker. And we've talked a number of times. We've talked uh, at least four times. I've been on his show as well. But I think our first original show, uh, he mentions actually in the book, a little bit of a nice shout out to me about uh, his first book, which I also recommend, Pedigate Primer, The Politics of Pedophilia. I think that was back in 2020. We discussed that. But we also talked about MK Ultra, really interesting show. We covered and analyzed the documentary on Netflix about Jimmy Savile, a British horror story. And then we had a really great talk with Roberta Glass of the True Crime Report about an important book written by Ross Chaitor, C-H-E-I-T, title of the book is The Witch Hunt Narrative. So uh, you can check those out. I'll put links to those shows in the uh, show notes so people can, if they want to click through, they can go back and look at those. But he's just published this book. It's February. Today is February 20th. So this is a very recent publication. It looks clean. If you're watching this on Rockfin, or somewhere else you can see the website here, which is the true story of Kai. So it's T-R-U-E-S-T-O-R-Y-O-F-K-A-I.com. And you can see a lot of the information that he's collected and where to buy the book. There's a link to buy the book. And also all of Philip Fairbank's social media links are there too. So please go check that out. But again, uh, again, the, the new book title, full title is Smash, 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 The True Story of Kai the Hitchhiker by Philip Fairbank. So Phil, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me on, as always. It's always a pleasure. Um, and uh, I, I guess uh, first off, it would be important to uh, explain a little bit about this story and how I came to it. Um, you know, uh, for folks who are familiar with the uh, new Netflix documentary that came out, Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker, um, and I'll have more to say about that uh, later, um, that's the story, uh, and well an incomplete and somewhat inaccurate version of the story of Kai the Hitchhiker anyways. Uh, they reached out to me back in February of last year, and they were uh, going to try and, well, not try, they licensed some material from me, some interviews I did with Kai back in 2017, and uh, paid me 500 bucks for it, decided to never use it. Uh, to this day, I still wonder if I hadn't mentioned that I was writing a book too, because they already knew how I felt about this story. Like, you know, we're on the phone and everything, and they're like, you know, we understand you're really attached to this, uh, to the materials and to this story, uh, which is why I kind of didn't trust them from uh, up front. But um, basically, it's the story of this guy. Um, Caleb McGilvery is his legal name, um, and he went by Kai Lawrence when he was traveling through the U.S. Uh, and uh, after an event in Fresno, California in 2013, uh, you know, he gets picked up. He's a hitchhiker. He gets picked up by this guy um, who ends up like attacking some people, nearly killing them. And, you know, he jumps in, hits him on the back of the head with a, a, a hatchet three times and knocks him out. Uh, so he's able to be, you know, finally arrested. And uh, uh, so th then after that, he does like an interview. And uh, uh, it, what what I think really caught people's attention uh, is when he's asked what happened and he kind of pauses there for a minute and he starts with just like this positive message, you know, you know, whoever you are and wherever you are and uh, you know uh, your life has value and, you know, just, just a nice positive message uh, and then goes back to the story. Uh, 
And uh, that, and of course, the the iconic, you know, the the interview went hugely viral, millions of views. Uh, it like huge meme in 2013, auto tune the news and all that stuff. But the tagline "smash, smash, smash." That's how he describes hitting the guy on the head. Um, but yeah, that now that's just the beginning of the story. Um, and I'd like to get back to uh, if we have time a, a little bit more about Jet McBride. Uh, in fact, yeah, d- make sure we get to the uh, the Epstein connections because you know there's oh, a wow. whole. Yeah, this is what I, I, I didn't realize this until after the book was published. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But yeah, wow. so uh, from from you know this moment where he's uh, you know reaches the limelight, he goes virally famous. Stephen Colbert talks about him. Jimmy Kimmel has him on his show. The produ- a producer with uh, Keeping Up with the Cardassians wants to give him a reality TV show. You know, um, and meanwhile though, like he's he's not really about that life apparently. Like, uh, he, he spun a pencil, uh, like, you know, if it goes this way or that way, then I'll take the reality TV show. If not, I'll just keep hitchhiking. And, you know, the pencil decided that he didn't want to be a multimillionaire, uh, with his own like clothing line or whatever, Rob Kardashian and all those, all those people who have nothing to offer the world anyways, uh, are doing for money, uh, uh, now. But yeah, so he he ends up, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, heading to the East Coast. He's in Times Square uh, and he meets a guy. A guy comes up to him, older guy, uh, says, says, you look lost. Now, at first, you know, uh, he's been he's been meeting people all over the country. People are sending him messages on Facebook. They're inviting him to crash on their couch or smoke a joint or drink a beer or hang out or whatever, uh, you know, uh, after after visiting a friend in New Jersey, his plans were to go down to Atlanta, uh, where there's a studio that wants him to record, you know, like right. the world he's a very is talented oyster. musician. Yeah. too, Right. Very right. Yeah. Musician. The world is his oyster right now. And he's just going with the flow. Uh, so when this older guy says like, hey, you know, you look lost. You need some help. Where are you headed? He says, New Jersey. Oh, I live in New Jersey. And, you know, maybe if it were a different circumstance, if he hadn't been used to people everywhere he goes being like, hey, you want to hang out? Maybe it would have like, you know, uh, seemed a little odd that a uh, wealthy 70 something year old was picking up a homeless man who he doesn't know, a young homeless man in his, you know, early, early mid 20s. Um, so that's Joseph Galfi. Joseph Galfi picks him up. They go to New Jersey. Um Kimberly Conley, the friend he was supposed to meet there, uh, had told him, you know, don't stay outside at night in Asbury Park. And he's like, what are you talking about? I've, I've slept outside in Miami and L.A. and New York City. She's, yeah, yeah, but don't, sp- like, that's cool, that's fine, but don't spend the night outside in Asbury Park. So he he's thinking he's in Asbury, uh, and so, you know, the guy offers to take him home, feed him have some beers yeah sure um now the last beer of the night that he gives him uh you know he's been handing him uh bottles and the last one he pours into a mug uh or a glass and hands to him and it's a really dark beer it's and it's very bitter um and then the last thing he remembers is uh hearing the jeopardy theme song and then he passes out and when he wakes up you know um and I, I've done this before. You got like dried saliva on your mouth and it's like leaves a film and it's sticky and it's gross. You know, 
that happens. So he had that going on and, just, you know, didn't think anything of it. Uh, now he's going to go see Kim Conley. Oh, no, it's Mother's Day, though. And she's got to go out with her family and there's a bunch of stuff going on. So uh, so he's at the Rawway train station. And like I said, the next stop is going to be Atlanta. And uh, it's May. So it's already hot for a Canadian uh, in New Jersey. So he knew it was going to be hot in Georgia. So he cuts his hair. Um, now that's important as well later, by the way, too. Uh, they say that he cut his hair after uh, the fact to change his appearance. But um, the Rawway uh, uh, CCTV camera where they show him with the long hair and then there's four hours missing from the CCTV tape that they say were accidentally deleted. Now, that's a theme you'll see over and over again. They they either don't uh, collect or don't test or sometimes completely destroy any evidence that would corroborate Kai's, uh, you know, Kai's claims. Um, so anyway, so he calls the Galfi back and Galfi picks him up. They go back uh, to his place. Very similar. They're watching TV and drinking beers, have a burger. And again, uh, the last beer is very bitter and poured in a glass instead of out of a mug. And uh, now at this point, when Kai wakes up, you know, he's on his back uh, and this guy is above him. He's in his underwear. Um, you know, there was a rag uh, by them, by the way. This rag was never collected. To be, it was uh, If it was collected, it was never tested. There was no forensics done on the rag. Kai believes that it was used to wipe off you know, semen. Um, but yeah, so, uh, anyways, so, uh, he doesn't really remember much of what happens after this point, he says, uh, which kind of makes sense considering the fact that, you know, uh, on the CCTV cameras we were talking about, uh, after the first night, you see Kai on the camera and he's got a toothbrush and he's just brushing his teeth nonstop the whole time on the video. Uh, which now Zopaclone and S-Zopaclone and Zolpidem, those are the, they're called Z drugs. Uh, they're benzodiazepine drugs that are specifically used for uh, insomnia. Now, uh, you, you remember Roseanne's like sleep tweeting ambient? Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, the thing about the Z drugs is sometimes you're not really asleep. Like you can drive a car and be asleep. Right. It's called automatism, and it happens. Yeah. And so well, those notorious stories of ambient like blackouts of people doing stuff. Yeah, they're and totally complex, aware, but they're not complex. Conscious, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's we're we're not talking about just like sleepwalking. They're like complex activities, like driving a car. You know what I mean? Right. So like anybody who saw them would be like, yeah, this person seems to be awake. Now that being said, one of the one of the people who did see Kai that night um, uh, after this happened. Now, keep in mind, the prosecution says that this world-famous guy uh, in 2013, he was known around the world. His face was very famous. He was a meme. Uh, he was on the run, but the first thing he said to, to the McNamara brothers was, hi, I'm Kai the Hitchhiker. Because, you know, I mean, like when you're on the run for murder and you're famous, usually the best bet is to cut your hair so that your face tattoo shows uh, uh, more plainly and always introduce yourself as the name you're known by, uh, you know, online. Uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, th th that's another one of the things, by the way, that was suppressed at the grand jury and the trial. They didn't bring up the McNamara statements. Literally anything from the investigation that, that points towards Kai being right 
was either was uh, was ignored. And, and that's another thing that bothers me about this. Now, uh, you got true story, Kaya dot com up there in the evidence locker section. Now, I don't want you to take my word for it. I don't want you to take Kai's word for it. That's why we have the evidence locker where the crime scene photos and the interview transcripts and the investigative notes and the forensic tests. It's all there. And so you can plainly see that when I say, well, you know, the the prosecution says this and that's what they told the media and the media reported is that. But if you look at the test, I mean, it's it's all right there. And yes, over and over again, they claim there were no signs of sexual assault. What do you call what do you call blood and semen? like smeared on the genitals of a dead alleged rapist, if not signs of a sexual assault. They claimed that, you know, when at the grand jury in the trial, they both mentioned, you know, we did a, a rape kit on Mr. Galfi and it came back negative. Now, if you're, if you're on a, you know, you're on a jury, it's been a long day and you just heard we ran a rape kit and it came back negative. You know, you kind of spaced out in the middle where, because it doesn't make any sense. Like, obviously, they would run a rape kit on the person who said they were raped, right? They wouldn't even bring up a rape kit otherwise, right? No, but they did. They brought up the rape kit that they ran, not on Kai. And by the way, Kai was picked up within four days, and a rape kit is accurate within five days. So it's not that they couldn't have. They, they wanted to run a rape kit on the alleged rapist, but not on Kai. I'm sure they had their reasons. Um, but yeah, there's, you know... Uh, that that's another thing. So I uh, mentioned that Galfi is a lawyer. Um, he's, you know, he's connected to uh, a lot of the Union County uh, legal community. Um, the presiding criminal court judge of Union County is Robert Mega. Um, now, Robert Mega eventually recused himself when Kai uh, found out and then brought it to the attention of his lawyer that uh, number one, Mega uh, Mega's son was on Galfi's speed dial, and uh, also just the fact that Mega, uh, uh, Galfi, and Kochansky was a law firm, and hmm, that sounds yeah. like they were both named partners at that law firm. I've got a picture of uh, Mega, hand Mega and Galfi standing together. They were uh, Mega was president of the Kiwanis Club, and then handed it over to Galfi in the newspaper story I've got. It makes sure to mention that Galfi, who apparently had a lot of teenage boys numbers in his phone, wanted to work closely with the youth. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. And uh, I guess this would be the perfect time to bring up the fact that something stinks, not just in Union County. Now, Union County has is is especially corrupt, even for New Jersey. But um, here, let me find this bright line. Right. Bright and he was picked up. Galfi found Kai at. Times Square or somewhere like the train station, right? Like the mm -hmm. tourist Which, kind yes, of rando pickup. I did center. not know that until after the book was written. Thank you for mentioning not just randos. There's a story from the 70s. That specific spot where the Red Lobster is, that was the Chicken Hawk pickup spot wow. in the 70s, according to New York Times. I know, right? Well, let's go ahead. Well, they know, they we're, know that. we're about to talk yeah. about the Predator stuff. So let's go ahead and mention that Jet Simmons McBride, um, the rich white guy as kai pointed it out uh, that ran into the the rayshawn neely pinned his legs and then attacked a woman who was trying to help him one thing he had said right before um you know doing all this he told kai uh that he had raped a 14 year old girl 
in the Virgin Islands, which, of course, you know, Richard Branson and a few other people have highlands there. There's a little uh, uh, little Jimmy. What is it called? Yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, um, the uh, that that's one of those things that, like, I didn't make the connection till afterwards. Then it hit me. Wait a minute. Teterboro Airport, a major Epstein hub where Lolita Air Airlines where he was where he was arrested. Right. Yes, 25 minutes, 25 to 30 minute drive from Union County, which uh, also Union County is also one of the major transit points for cocaine from the late 70s, you know, like Iran er, Contra on. I mean, you know what I'm So you got the cocaine coming in 10 minutes this way and the uh, underage sex slaves coming from 20 minutes up. Like, yeah. Um, wow, I don't know. Super corrupt. Uh, but yeah. listen to this. Okay, so uh, I, I'm going to talk about the bright line rule. This is New Jersey Supreme Court precedent. Um, I'm quoting from Henry Neal McCohen, October 23rd, 2014. This is just one of many, many, many cases like this. Most of these names, they're not in the newspaper. They're not. Uh, they're not on the sex offender registry. Many of them are still practicing law. Child sex predators still practicing law. Um, the only ones that get busted are federal cases. If they're state cases, they get six months probation, sentenced to therapy, and they just never talk about it again, except at the, you know, they're lawyers. So the Office of Attorney Ethics and the Disciplinary Review Board reports are permanent. But nobody, like, I'm the only person who wrote about this? That's wrong. So listen to this. With Assemblyman Neil M. Cohen, we see mention of the Brightline Rule. We now sanction respondent to an indeterminate suspension from the practice of law pursuant to Rule 120-15A2. We caution that while we do not establish a bright line rule requiring disbarment in all cases involving sexual offenses against children, in the future, convictions in egregious cases involving child pornography may result in disbarment of attorneys who commit these offenses in light of society's increasing recognition of the harm done to the victims of those offenses. Now, they say that, but... Like the fact uh, there's no bright line rule saying that you have to be disbarred if you're a child sex predator. That's that you made that a rule. Like, why would you make that a rule? I mean, unless you literally want to protect child sex predators who want to practice law in New Jersey. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you have to have the rule because you have to address a, a current problem out exactly. there. Exactly. The rules are yeah. a bit too societal actions or whatever people's behavior yeah so incredible and yeah and and you know like that neil cohen guy like it's not even just lawyers that's the really scary part some of them are just lawyers but some of them are prosecutors and some of them are da's one of them is a deputy assist uh, attorney general uh a couple of them are politicians one was a councilman and was downloading and distributing child pornography from his government office wow. on a computer that was paid for by tax dollars you know and uh this is you know uh this has been going on at least since the it's it's on the record at least since the 80s i'm guessing it went on a lot more then and they just didn't ever record it even in the drb's the disciplinary review board reports wow it's incredible i mean there's a lot of corrupt lawyers out there it really is just the case i mean new jersey obviously is notorious right but uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Now, I I did check. I wanted to check the uh, because you can look at for these, you know, state by state. They're called different things. I forgot. Uh, It's the Office of Attorney Ethics 
uh, releases the disciplinary review board reports in New Jersey. But like I, I, you know, I, I, I had to go to Tennessee. I had to like, okay, what does my home state look like? And I looked for anything involving, you know, sexual offenses or whatever. And well, thank goodness, Tennessee has the sense. Oh, you're a rapist. Well, then you were not of good moral standing and and proper moral character, all that stuff that, yeah, we know lawyers aren't really a lot of times, but you, you got to at least hide it. You know, that's the rule. Right. You got to hide it. You can't do coke in public. You do that at home, you know. Yeah, they but, call yeah. it moral turpitude. They used to yeah, enforce it, go. but I think right. so many people are so immoral these days they can't quite do right. it. You could get busted for, or you could get disbarred for certain things, like if you were cheating people or uh, oh yeah yeah I, now I saw a lot of that in Tennessee like you know there were uh, uh, a lot of cases of lawyers who were getting their uh, you know their staff or their clients uh, hooked on drugs um, you know trading sex with clients but once right. again when that happens in Tennessee they get disbarred you know uh, now one of these New Jersey cases by the way speaking of trading sex um so one of them, it's uh, this guy is in the middle of a custody case and he's trying to have sex with the woman's daughter. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Like it, it's it's just <clears throat> the sickness is beyond the scale. And like I said, this is uh, over 30 years of this. Uh, here's one case here. Uh, James F. Boylan. Here's another one of those guys that didn't make the news. Uh, neither he nor his son who raped a five year old girl. Uh, the only reason his son shows up is uh, in any kind of record is because of a lawsuit, uh, a civil suit. Um, but yeah, so like uh, Judge Boylan was stealing money from the pub, was defrauding the public, uh, and uh, having women, uh, you know, have sex with him in exchange for he would coach them uh, on what to do, and then would like reduce their sentence, and they'd get out with no, you know. Uh, with with no sentence or whatever but yeah it's you know um those and, are the ones that just get caught right like galfi right, was probably exactly. doing it for decades right oh yeah now I mean, galfi like i said he uh spent every uh you know uh, uh he spent the weekend he would go to new york uh, to new york city every weekend and i'm guessing probably to times square um uh, the his brother who's a former uh chief of police uh in irvington new jersey uh now, before Kai is a suspect um, and and, you know, Officer Henderson or Detective Henderson of the Union County Prosecutor's Office. That's another thing I find interesting. The prosecutor's office, the Clark PD came, saw he was dead. And then it was like, uh oh, one of our own. We're handling this, you know. Interesting. Um, but yeah. So uh, but his brother, uh, you know, before Kai is even a suspect, um, they ask him, you know, who do you think might have done this? He's like, I don't know could be anybody and then he says uh you know there was some kind of vagrant guy back in the 70s wait what so you're saying that some vagrant from 40 years ago held a grudge or are you talking about his habit of picking up vagrants in general we, right. you know because if it was just one time then why would he come back 40 years later when he's also a 60 70 year old man by the way, there's a, a a UK crime writer. I think has tracked that guy down. Uh, I, I want to confirm it before I share. But like, that's the thing about this story. It is still so much in development. There are so many trails 
uh, to, to, to track down. There's a lot in, you know, the evidence locker there that, you know, I stuck to what I can understand and explain. And there are things I can understand that I can't explain. And if I don't understand it, I can't do either. Uh, but the most important things that I could understand and explain are in the book. But right. But one of these so things when more. I was reading it, it's not that uncommon for uh, in the homosexual gay world for people to get drugged. Like I've done so much research on Ed that. Buck. Like, yeah. P and P. Yeah. Um, P Stephen Port in the UK, GH being people. Uh, mm -hmm. Dahmer was huge, always carrying around drugs to drug his victims. The ones oh, right. some people he didn't yeah. kill, right? He's constantly mm -hmm. drugging people. He got kicked out of like one of the gay bar uh, bathhouses for drugging people. He couldn't go back, so oh, he had to wow, go to Chicago. Yeah. So like just tons of drugging. And really, one thing I covered was the most prolific serial rapist in UK history, and I covered him for my second uh, SFK documentary. His name was Reynard Sinaga, raped like four hundred heterosexual dudes but they never knew it because they never they were drugged so right? these people woke up and yeah. they never went to the police they were the reason they busted sanaga is one guy woke up and they went on sanaga's phone and found all his victims isn't right. that incredible so like wow. it does go into this story it makes the what happened to mcgillivary uh very somewhat more credible in my mind because they don't know what's happening to them they don't know what happened they were drugged Take a guess. Take a wild guess. Uh, so a guy like Galfi, what, what do you think his favorite vacation spot is? Oh, boy. Let's see. It's um, not the Virgin Islands. San Island Francisco. No? Uh, the Keys. Um, I don't know. Where's his favorite vacation I'll spot? give you a hint. It's a major hub for child sex trafficking. Thailand. Wow. He's yeah. a big fan of going to Thailand. Yeah. Oh, the go. guy who's got... High school boys numbers and wants to work with the youth. And, oh, that's another thing. Like, multiple cases in the slap on the wrist chapter, we see people using, you know, these rich lawyers doing community service, by which I mean grooming, by which I mean procuring right. victims. One, right. uh, it was a volunteer. He was a volunteer youth league coach, and he molested, right. like, multiple boys. And, yeah, that's what they do. They volunteer in the places where they can find victims, whether it's yep. little boys, little girls, whether you're going to. And it also Boy makes Scouts, them look it's, it's, it's a mask and like it does double duty. You know, not right, only right. is it a way to to get close to kids and groom them, but like to an adult, you see, oh, the kindly old lawyer guy who does community service. Right, Isn't right. that sweet? He's a member of our community. What yeah. a nice guy. But then he invites these kids home, drugs them probably. I bet he's drugged. I bet golf. I mean, just my sense. Oh, I'm, my I'm almost certain. Because that's now. not something that you do on a whim at 73. That right. and the fact that like the, the long history with vagrants and, and, you know, I want to make it clear, by the way, I've got nothing against gay people. It, the problem is not that Galfie is gay. It's that he's a rapist. Alleged. Right. But Alleged I mean, usually rapist. the criminal acts like start like criminologists know that people engage in criminal, the same type of crimes. And that it starts early. Like, you didn't just turn 73 and go, I'm going to drug this guy. Like, right. I can assure you that didn't happen. And, He's you know, he was, a, he was a really closeted guy. And, like, that explains some of his behavior. Like, you know, the, the, he would always pull into the back, 
so that the neighbors wouldn't see if he had someone with him. And it's like some of that can be this, you know, would make sense. Oh, he's just a he's a very closeted man who was, you know, born in the 30s, you know, with like it's understandable that or, you know, 40s or what late 30s, or early 40s when he was born. So it would be understandable that he might, you know, try and keep this stuff kind of quiet. But, yeah, when you start thinking about a wealthy lawyer uh having a lot of run-ins with vagrants and homeless people like like you know like we were saying before the show started the 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 imbalance of power issue is definitely there oh there was a guy uh anton a young russian teenager who was living with uh uh with galfi for a while uh he had a longtime partner who lived with him and died uh a few years before him that the neighbors referred to as the house boy. <laughs> wow. There you go. Yeah. 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 And he's, he's none of this, one. none of this made it into the Netflix documentary, of course. They did, however, uh, you know, spend half an hour nearly having the Union County prosecution just straight up lie. You know? And what what do you think they lied about? Well, uh, a lot of things. Obviously. Obviously, the the bit about the, uh, you know, signs of sexual assault uh, and making it sound like they were kind of gasped. Well, maybe he thought he was a predator and that's why he did it. That's another thing that's funny, by the way. They had no uh, motive. They had no motive for a decade. They had no motive. And now they're being interviewed and they're like, oh, yeah, because the first hour of the movie leads up that Kai is unhinged and crazy. And so then you get to the Union County Prosecutor's Office and they're like, yeah, he probably thought he was a predator. They also have that one guy that straight up lies and says, you know, something about killing old white men who rape you. Like, no, I don't think he ever said that. I really don't. Also, I find it funny that they had that guy on who said that. And he also made the claim that Kai drugged uh, Jet McBride. Okay, number one, I've read the McBride uh, trial. And that guy was seriously mentally ill long before Kai got there, okay? He was already on his way to stop the Illuminati from bombing the Super Bowl before he met Kai, okay? Kai didn't make him crazy. Um, that and uh, the fact that they they did test him. And, well, maybe it was something that didn't show. Dude, do you remember 2013? That was when they were doing the 34-panel drug test. Because right. it was the bath salts craze. So you know they tested for MDPV and all the other... They found million, nothing, right? They didn't find nothing. anything in his system. Cannabis. Yet. Same as Rudy Eugene. Uh, you know what I mean? The cannibal zombie. Like the, right. uh, Those are two they major cases crazy. where they... And they were like, those guys were on bath salts. No, sometimes people are just crazy. Uh, but yeah, so it was that same guy that said that that claimed that Kai said that, you know, sometimes like if some old old white dude tries to rape you, you just gotta uh, smash him or kill him or something, yeah. And, uh, okay, another thing that I believe, I no, I'm gonna say I know. I know they deliberately misrepresented is the fact when uh, when uh, they lay out Kai's defense and well, you know, Kai says this, but according to Dr. Junaid Sheikh, the medical examiner, okay, now this is, this is important. Dr. Robert Pandina claimed, uh, according to the prosecutor's office anyways, that Kai couldn't have been drugged because he would have been puking for hours and incapacitated. Now, obviously that's that's true. Obviously that's not true. And Pandina actually also didn't say that. 
but they went ahead and misrepresented him for the benefit of the grand jury, right? Uh, now, yeah. when it came time for the trial, though, uh, that there was a letter, and that letter is also in the in evidence locker, a letter from uh, Grace Park, the prosecutor of Union County, a Union County prosecutor, to Peter Liguori, who was then the, uh, uh, you know, his uh, uh, the public defender, and pointing out that Pandina won't be able to testify because he received $150,000. So he won't be able to set that straight and say, actually, no, Kai could have been drugged. But for some reason, Junaid Sheikh, who also received $150,000 from the Galfi estate, he's okay, though. We can use his testimony. Uh, this is like, it's kind of obvious. So where, where did the Galfi estate, how, how did it get broken up? I mean... Uh, um, J James Galfi, his brother, is the executor right now, mm -hmm. and um, and you know the the actual will itself. Uh, that's another one of the things that's in the evidence locker. Um, in the book, I've I've even got a picture of the hundred fifty thousand dollar check to uh, and it's not directly to Pandina. It's to the uh, Center for Alcohol Studies, which is hmm. the program Pandina runs at Rutgers, which is why I had to go into the whole thing about how uh, the school that Shakes at uh, has had, like, it's not even just a New Jersey thing, but I found multiple examples within the past five, ten years in New Jersey of what's called uh, university donation fraud. You know, a lot of times you can bribe somebody, you can put some hush money, you got the no-show jobs, like there are multiple cases of this in New Jersey within the past few years. Uh, so, you know, oh. like, but yeah, just the fact and that... He, and, and Kai, I mean, Kai didn't get his real constitutional rights. He didn't get a no. trial for six years, mm -hmm. right? Not for Off six years. Also, you know, the Sixth Amendment also gives us the right to represent ourselves. And considering the fact that uh, you know, that's another thing that I show in the chapter defense for the prosecution. Uh, there's so many ways that his public defenders were fighting him and obviously not working uh, in his best interest. They wouldn't let him fire his public defenders. They wouldn't let him represent himself. And, you know, uh, uh, like it's 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 like the, Very the, strange. it was. Very yeah, strange. the the whole the cards were stacked from the beginning. And so much of this like and, you know. You're a lawyer, so like you saying that strange is like when, um, you know, I was on a stream with uh BZ Douglas talking about this, and he had uh a cop uh with the chief of police of Notre Dame University <laughs> is on the live stream, and I was bringing up uh how James Galfi mentions in the interview that he uh had his bro his brother represented him in a few civil suits when he was a cop, um, and he claims that he was. Uh, singled out in those civil suits because of his quote deep pockets. Now mm. uh, the chief of police of of Notre Dame was as confused as me about why doesn't the chief of police have deeper pockets than than the deputy chief? Because his name's not on that. His name's not on either of those. Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? It's just so super sketchy. Like the whole process oh, yeah. behind it was just didn't make sense. They never tested him for being raped. Mm -hmm. Like just simple things you would do with like a woman. Like oh, those I claim bottles. I got raped. Remember and the he bottles, said, right? Right. And and Kai said and wrote, and this is evidence he wrote on a Facebook page, I got abducted and raped, right? Something mm -hmm. to that effect. And mentioned the, so the, the, the bitter right. taste in his mouth, even. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In between, like, you know, <clears throat> like. Yeah, I, I believe it was specifically like there might have been other things as well, 
but I definitely think that at least one of the things that was in that beer was one of the Z drugs. Uh, I know that like Esopaclone, like he, uh, I don't believe he had a prescription for any of those, but Esopaclone, I know at the time you could order from those Canadian pharmacies when they had that, mm-hmm. you know, that whole loophole thing that was going on. Yeah. If he was going to Thailand, I wouldn't be surprised if he was picking up. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mexico, Mexico or wherever. Right, yeah. Right. Wow, yeah, it's just super sketchy. So, but the interesting thing also about the book is that you know him firsthand, right? Like you, right? Guys have yeah, him. yeah. So can you talk a little uh, bit about how that relationship started? Oh, sure. Yeah, like uh, so. Twenty seventeen, I was writing for the Inquisitor, and uh, a friend of mine, uh, Rachel, uh, you know, uh, she's like, "Hey, you should cover this story. Check it. This, this is Kai the Hitchhiker." Um, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's been railroaded and there was a cover up and destruction of evidence and conflict of interest and, and corruption. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's right up my alley. That's the kind of stuff that I like, not that I like, but that I like to dig into. So, uh, you know, I find a way to, uh, give him a call. He's in the, he was in Elizabeth at the time, at the time he was in 23, seven lockdown. Uh, so, you know, didn't see another person in person. Um, wasn't even able to get out of a tiny little cell except an hour a day to even stretch his legs. Um, which, you know, I'm reading a couple of McCoy books, Alfred McCoy books on, Mm -hmm. on, uh, torture. Did you know that, uh, studies show that after two days, uh, two to three days, your brain, uh, starts acting like, uh, in similar ways as if you'd taken a small quantity of mescaline. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what, you know, it, it really messes with your head. That's yeah, probably why, yeah, yeah that's probably why they put yeah. him, yes, it'll make you, uh, often makes you more aggressive as well, which is probably why they put him uh, in the hole right before he was put on the stand every time, too. They wanted to make sure he was sh- uh, shaken and off balance and agitated. Um, wow, but, that's incredible. Yeah. But, yeah, so, you know, we start, uh, we did uh, a few calls there, and since then, um, you know, heck, it's been, uh, uh, yeah, it's been, I guess it'll be six years in a few months uh, that we've been in contact since then. Uh, now, lately, pretty much uh, stay in contact on JPay. Uh, but yeah, especially in the past, like calendar year, uh, pretty much been in touch uh, about every day. Oh, wow. So you guys are really in contact. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of a tragic. And you, I mean, his background, he had kind of a very traumatic, troubled background, right? I mean, that's why he was on the road. He came from Mm -hmm. kind of a pretty lousy family life, right? Oh, yeah. He tells his story in the book. Yeah, That's that's another one of those things where, like, you know, I started writing the book and I had an outline. (laughs) Oh, poor outline. Because, you know, each month and then I'm running into something else and it's like, Oh, wow. You know, that's that's big. Uh, I'm going to stuff this here, stuff this here, stuff this here. Actually, there's no more room. We need another chapter. So I was adding like it was like there's 13 chapters. There was going to be like eight or nine, <laughs> like right. the the chapter about the the mafia connections and the waterfront, um, you know, uh, like the, the chapter on uh, the church and the family, because, uh, you know, the United Church of Canada residential schools that is. Uh, dad right. was raised up in and his mom was like, uh, you know, hung out with the children of God, with the family, you know, right. and that's another Jonathan weird one. Berg or what was his name? Yeah, Berg? David Berg. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, because I was uh, I found out that in Union County, there's this racist cop gang in Elizabeth called the family. 
that's been written about uh, by Chris Hedges in the New York Times in 2000 and Reverend Michael Granson, Ph.D. in 20. Uh, well, last year in 2022, uh, wrote a whole book uh, about it, Breaking the Plate Glass Window. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, you know, uh, telling him what I've discovered about the family, this, you know, weird racist cop gang with like cultish undertones. He's like the family. Oh, wow. That was the name of that group. My mom was in. <laughs> I was like, wow, hold right. on. So I'm like, you know, when I write him, cause there's the JPay letter and it's not like an email where you can start writing below it. There's no like text box to enter. So I've got a notepad open. As soon as I see that I'm starting to, cause I, I'll usually start to write my replies. Uh, while I'm reading. And so I'm starting to write, you know, um, do you remember a guy named uh, David Berg or Father David or Moses Berg? Um, let's see. Did they have like weird comics? Um, was there any like flirty fishing? And then like I, I then I continue to read and he's like, like there were these weird comics. And like, you know, I think the guy's name is like Father David or something. <laughs> Holy. Wow. So, so yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah, which, like, a lot of the, like, abuse that he talks about, and, like, it does, it sounds like, like, people, I can see where people would find it hard to believe, honestly, but then, right. like, the family connection, wow. Um, right, but his mom kind of blamed it all on him, right? Instead, oh, yeah. he was claiming she was kind of, like, almost like a Munchausen by proxy, where she would, mm -hmm. like, put the situation together and then claim, oh, me, like, oh, it's... He's such a difficult son, and she. Was now that's one of the good things. The one of the few good things that I'll say about the documentary is there was a there was a bit of footage that I hadn't seen. Um, there was a missing piece of the puzzle that uh, you know ABC Seven New York uh, told me I had to subpoena them to get some footage that ended up being in mm. that documentary. So that was cool, uh, and just seeing you know his cousin and his mom in there. Cause like the, the way it was back to back and, you know, his cousin talking about like, yeah, yeah. His mom was abusive. Uh, he would lock, uh, she would lock him up in his room and just not let him out. And she tried to do that to me, but I, you know, I was too big, you know, she couldn't. And then it goes straight to his mom and she's like, Oh, I didn't lock him in a room. I just kept him in a room because he got up too early and I wanted him to be safe like a good mother. So I couldn't let him out. And it's like, you just said, you just, so you basically said, I didn't do that. But the reason why I did it is because right. I'm a good mother. Right. right. So I don't yeah. think. Interesting. So she's, that, yeah. she's verifying his story. She's right. Verifying Kim's story. Mm -hmm. But was there any other evidence of violence in his past up till Galfie? Uh, well, there, there, was, uh, there, there was there was there was one there was a there was a sexual assault when he was I think seventeen, and uh, uh, but again I don't think the guy ended up being actually uh, you know convicted or anything. Which and by the way, you know, like a sexual like, assault on him though, right? It wasn't yeah, him sexual yeah, assault. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, he, he was he was like seventeen, and the guy right. right, and then the EMS or whatever the ambulance services. Uh, caught him and and he mentions by the way losing time which you know uh, rape trauma syndrome is a thing and you know like you know you know uh, false memory syndrome foundation and dissociation is another one of those little weird topics that uh, that I already have some background in so yeah I mean like there is a lot of research on how like there's the way memory works and then there's the way traumatic memory works 
uh, and they're just two totally different things. Yeah, I mean, and the life of a like, um, you know, homeless kind of vagrant is really tough. And I, I read, I've oh, done yeah. stories on sexual trafficking and stuff like that. Like I've read stats like people, kids who run away from home and they end up at the bus station or the train station. One third get picked up there and put into sex trafficking. That's just like the general stats they know. So anytime like somebody like him or somebody like that, there's predators out there. And I bet oh, golfy yeah. was just one of many. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a, uh, there's a group on Facebook, uh, uh, a Facebook support group or whatever. And I have, you know, I've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, men and women talking about how, like, you know, I was, I was homeless or I was a hitchhiker and, yeah, anytime an old rich white man comes up to you and, you know, you're a smelly homeless person, like, they yeah. want something. They're going to, like, once you get there, you'll find out they want something more than to just be nice. Uh, and that's just generally the case, you know? And he, it, there's a reason for that, too. Like, I want to help people, but I'm not just going to take a stranger home because, like, you know, you get beat up and robbed that way. You yeah, know, that's you make just, it out alive. That's the stories of like right. serial killers. It's just like all those. Oh yeah, he's a nice older guy. He was giving off me a ride. That's always the beginning of the end. I mean, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. So before we wrap this up, we're at forty-five minutes, Phil. Where, tell me the story about McBride and his connection to Epstein. Oh right. So yeah. Uh, now I don't know of a an actual direct connection between Jet and Epstein, but uh, in between, like as far as the. Um, plume of Epstein, uh, kind of a, a plume or mist of Epstein that's kind of a, about this case. In between the Teterboro connection, uh, the Teterboro airport connection, the Epstein hub, which is, like I said, 30 miles, 25, 30 miles from Union County, um, uh, that and Jet McBride. Now, I don't know uh, how this could be connected apart from just like really dumb luck, but Jet McBride is. Uh, mentions uh you know not little saint james uh per se but mentions uh raping an underage girl in the virgin islands uh so yeah i mean you know like uh, obviously epstein you know we know nygaard and brunel were two nodes right so we know uh there are others besides those three we just don't you know i i don't personally know their names uh, but yeah, it, and so I would not be surprised at all at this point, considering the bright line rule, the, uh, friendly climate for child sex predators in the New Jersey bar. And how else would you describe that? By the way, literally making a rule like, Hey, uh, if you're a child sex predator, that doesn't immediately disqualify you, you know, right. no, that, it's that's incredible. That's and a child something... sex predator friendly environment. Right. right. That, I bet that clause, I would like to know when that went into the uh, state legal system. You know, I would like to know when mm -hmm. that was drafted because something tells me it's fairly recent. Like they probably needed to put that in because they've had problems. in the past. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, like I found cases going at least back to like the 80s. But I guarantee like because that the 80s is just when people started reporting child molestation. Like, it's not when it started. That's why, you know, when people freaked out, oh, my gosh, it's a it's an epidemic of false reports. No, it's just being reported for the first time in history. <laughs> right. 
an incredible. And you have a Kindle and a hardcover version, right? So uh, yep, get... yep. You can get the ebook at uh, Barnes and Noble or uh, Amazon, um, Malaprops Bookstore. There's uh, there's actually several uh, several places online that you can buy it right now. Um, and the hardcover is available right now. Uh, I think you can get. I think it's eight ninety nine for the ebook at Barnes and Noble right now, and nine ninety nine at uh, uh, Kindle. Amazon. And then it's or at Amazon. It's twenty five ninety nine for the for the hardcover uh, at both places. Which I understand that's you know uh, that's a little pricey. But in six months we're going to do a paperback release. It should be like sixteen ninety nine. And believe it or not, like for a pound and eight a one point eight four pound hardcover book that's 456 pages there's not like a huge but like like i'm not trying to make a killing off of this I, it's very much more important that we get eyes on the story but speaking of like if like if you're interested in this story oh we got three chapters at truestoryakai.com the first 50 pages or so you can read at amazon um uh, you know there's dozens of articles uh in the more articles links and stuff like this interview and the podcasts and things, we're uh, making sure to embed uh, right there on the page as well. So, um, you know, uh, if the if the hardcover is a little pricey and you're not into uh, ebooks necessarily, or even if you can't afford the ebook, there's there's definitely uh, uh, at least a, a couple hundred pages or more available online right now that you can just use truestoryofkai.com as a portal. Yeah, it's a really interesting story. And then the documentary's out too. So the timing is right. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it really is. A, he was an amazing, he's probably like one of the most well known viral, top 10 viral. Oh, yeah. In, in internet history, probably. Yeah. I remember yeah. Like that. up there with Antoine Dodson. No, you know, no doubt. Like he and Antoine Dodson definitely in the top five. <laughs> in the top five. And people can reach you at truestoryofkai.com too, right? Uh, yeah. And, uh, smash. Smash, smash book at gmail.com because Kafka guy is too hard to spell out loud. <laughs> right. So people can check that out. There's a lot of information, a lot more. Just like you said, it's a very, very well researched book. I highly recommend people check out smash, smash, smash the true story of Kai the Hitchhiker by Philip Fairbanks. So Phil, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. All right, cool. Stay there.